1: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, June 24th, and today we're gonna be looking at some fantasy takeaways from Thursday night's NBA draft. We will discuss the fantasy outlook for the top 10 picks off the board and more. As I'm joined by Raphael Johnson, Brad Stonebreaker. Guys, I don't know about you, but that night threatened to get real wild at the very like we it was like the first thing that happened was like, wow, this is gonna be a wild night, and then Truly almost nothing wild happened after the very first pick. Is that is that how you guys come away from this night?
2: I'd say, yeah, Basically, more or less, yeah. I mean, the Bancaro pick was surprising, but yeah. the odds were shifting. I know Raf wrote a lot about it, and I think in some way Vegas knew more than guys like Woj or, or Shams did, which is I find mm. really interesting. But while that was probably the most surprising thing, and the biggest thing the second biggest thing was probably Kemba Walker being traded which kind of s- says a lot about uh yeah all the activity that w- that went on last night so yeah
1: <laughs> Kemba Kemba the second biggest note Raf yeah yeah i think that's a pretty good way to sum
2: this
3: thing up sum last night up i think once the, the John Collins news broke also that he wasn't going to be moved on thursday i think the expectation uh-huh. at this point is that he's played his last game as an Atlanta Hawk I know, I know you don't like to hear that, but it just, it just feels like we're headed to that point where he's going to be traded somewhere. So I think, yeah, the Bancaro thing, we saw the odds get kind of crazy late Wednesday night. Like, what on earth is going on? Then they moved back to Jabari Smith being the favorite to go first, and then about a half hour or so before the draft started, it was back on Bancaro. So you got to give Orlando credit for kind of keeping their cards their close to the best there.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe we should have known when, um, I think it was Jeff Weltman, the Magic President, was talking earlier in the week, like, I mean, it was still early in the process. We haven't, um, <laughs> we got a lot of time, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. And as for Collins, I, I, I want to say clearly, I, I love John Collins. I don't want him traded out of Atlanta. But if it's going to bring back DeJounte Murray, then, then I accept. that. That's if, if that's what we're talking about, then, then yeah, I'm good.
3: It's going to take a lot more than Collins to get it right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's weird. The whole thing is weird. I mean, maybe it's just Collins wanting out. That's, that's my best guess. Or uh, wanting a bigger role. I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird thing to be like just so aggressively shopping a pretty, you know, desirable player. A guy that most teams would want on their roster. It, you're not exactly... Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly why the Hawks are playing this the way that they are. Um, it's kind of weird. Feels like a lot of leverage is going out the is going out the door here. But what do I know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> do you think Dejounte would be a good fit with Trey? Hypothetically.
1: Well, it's weird. <laughs> Raff, Raff shaking his head. is shaking his head emphatically. <laughs> Am <laughs> that, I allowed to that say that hell asking. no on here? Can we say hell no? Yes, you can. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is two, like, ball-dominant point guards. But it's weird because what the Hawks desperately need is another playmaker and a guy who, when Trey is, teams are trying to take Trey out of the game, a guy who can create off a dribble. But is DeJounte too much that guy? You know, like, is he yeah. too much of a lead guard? I don't know. All I know is he's young and he's awesome and he's exciting. So, if, uh, but, but it's a fair point. It's a fair question. How would that fit work? Yeah. Um, very valid. All right. Well, let's talk about the guy we mentioned before. We're going to go through the top 10 or so picks and maybe a few others and just kind of quickly look at their fantasy outlook. So the big shock, as we said, Palo Bancaro going first overall to the Magic. I guess we'll start by saying this, Raft. When you look at this landing spot, do you, do you see a situation where he can get his numbers and how do you think the fit, you know, how does he fit with the sort of other young pieces, Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr. in particular? Yeah.
3: I think he can just because of how bad this team was offensively this past mm-hmm. season. Like they ranked 10th in pace, but they're 29th in scoring and 30th in offensive rating. So you're playing fast, but you don't really know what on earth you're doing. That's <laughs> kind of what those numbers tell me. So yeah. you bring in a playmaker like Bancara who can score on all three yeah. levels. He can serve as a facilitator as well. Duke used him a lot as like a de facto point guard at times this past season. I know they have guys like Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Markel Fultz still on the roster. But the proof's in the pudding. And I think that may have been a big factor in Orlando's reasoning to take Bancaro here instead of going with Jabari Smith. So I think he can get his numbers. I just find it funny that Jonathan Isaac really hasn't been mentioned at all. And I know he's had injury issues, but it does make you wonder, even with the contract extension that he signed, what's his long-term future in Orlando?
1: Yeah, for sure, Brad. Any thoughts on that or Ben Caro? Yeah, the playmaking
2: was a good point. I honestly think he could be the best playmaker on the team, in as soon as the season starts, Cole Anthony and Fultz are all right, but I think Ben Caro is already. It seems as though he's a step ahead of them. It's hard to really gauge until he steps foot on the. Uh, with in the big leagues, you know, but he, he does have a ton of competition for minutes. Yeah, Jonathan Isaac is Mr. Mystery Man right now. I haven't heard a whole lot. Did not play a second last season. There's Mo Bamba and good old Robin Lopez. Uh, but they're gonna be they're gonna be free agents. Obviously, I'm not worried about Lopez. I I do think Bamba's on the move, uh, especially with Orlando getting another big. I feel like they could use like Anthony, Suggs, Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., and ben-, ben Carroll lineup, obviously Carter Jr. and Ben Carroll flipped. And I think that, that could work well, but I, we'll pro- I'll probably say this say this so much, but it's so hard to tell uh, right now, just a night after they were picked. And it's hard to see how the team works until they actually start playing together and developing chemistry and all that.
1: Right. Well, let's go through, let's continue on. A- after we get through the first three guys, I kind of want to ask you guys which of these three you think would be the fir- should be the first rookie off the board in fantasy leagues? But before we do that, let's go to Chet Holmgren. I mean, we he pretty much ended up where we expected, right? I mean, for all for all the questions about where he's going to land, I think most we we mostly expected he would land with the Thunder. We've talked about him a lot, his potential, the potential downside with his build. Raph, is there anything new to say? I mean, do we want to venture to try to imagine some rookie year numbers for this guy when you? Do you go through that exercise? And if so, what do you kind of picture Holmgren being able to do as a rookie? I
3: think at minimum, you're looking at two, maybe 2.5 stops per game from him. uh, Just because of what he can bring, his shot blocker. I don't know about the steals being there, but I think he can do enough in that area combined with the blocks to get you some good value there. He can shoot all the way out beyond the three-point line. So that's another factor. The rebounding may be a little bit low just because of his frame, but yeah, I think the scoring and the defensive numbers are gonna be enough to make him one of the most valuable fantasy rookies out there.
1: Brad, when Raf was just talking and and mentioned the rebounding, I almost started to think of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s statistical (laughs) profile. Like does does that add up for you potentially? And maybe with more assists.
2: Yeah, I, I hope not. Um, I, I love JJJ, but <laughs> his rebounding is pretty frustrating for a guy so like talented and athletic and obviously is all over the floor. But I, I, don't, th- I don't think so. I, I think he'll still be a good rebounder just simply due to his, his size alone. Like, he, he does have the frame to worry about, and that's the number one issue, basically consensus issue with him uh, going this early. But I, I do think he could get, assuming they'd, OKC doesn't just shut him down after five minutes I think he could right. get seven boards a game like fairly easily I'm not going to go as high as maybe eight or nine but somewhere in the six seven range I think is super possible with room to improve uh, with more minutes down the line
1: it does feel like of the top three guys just in terms of this year Holmgren does have probably the most freakishly high fantasy ceiling like his best possible outcome where he's you know a better shot blocker than we're even guessing, given his frame. You know what I mean? He he could. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he comes into the league and is like a two, two plus blocks per game guy, which obviously makes him outrageously valuable. But again, there is the OKC factor, and we all expect all of the Thunder young guys. If you're drafting them, be ready to trade them. But again. <laughs> Is everyone else ready for that anyway? So I don't know. I, I have a lot of hesitation about drafting Thunder, but, and it's going to be a really interesting question as we get closer to the season. But let's move to the guy who, for a while, we thought was going to go first. Ended up going third overall, Jabari Smith, to the Rockets. Raf, it seems to me that, first of all, in real life, the Rockets are a massive winner here because they got a guy who—the guy who a lot of people think should have gone first— Orlando became infatuated with Bancaro clearly, but Jabari Smith also seems like, I don't know, is the fit better in Houston than it was in Orlando? I think that's my first question, and I'm excited. I'm really excited about this guy, bottom line, in Houston. It feels like he's got a path to big minutes early. He's an incredible shooter already. I think he can get some defensive stats. Do you share my level of excitement about Jabari Smith's rookie outlook?
3: Yeah, it's crazy how this worked out. Like you said, because Houston was absolutely atrocious defensively. You know, they were dead last in points allowed per game, 29th in, in defensive rating, and addressing that, that concern in the front court was, was going to be huge for them. Um, Bancaro, as much as he could provide for the Rockets offensively, when you talk about this team not having a true point guard, Smith can be very good defensively for this group. And the three-point shooting ability, I think he's going to be a great fit alongside Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. You can move Alper and Shingun into the starting lineup. I think, if anything, we're going to see Smith and, and Shingun as that starting frontcourt Uh Let those guys kind of grow together. And you can let Smith, the two-point shooting, especially in the mid range, when it comes to creating his own shot, is a bit of a concern. But they can game plan around that. I think he's going to be fine.
2: Yeah, and I'm in total agreement there. I'm excited that the whatever they did didn't ruin Alperen Sengun's outlook because I've been excited about him since he was drafted last year, and it didn't quite work since out last born. year until the last since he was born. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> back in what t- 2002 probably or yeah, whatever it was, but,
1: yeah exactly.
2: Uh, anyway, uh, his competition is not bad at all. I mean, he, right now it's Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin uh lined up at the four for Houston. Jay Sean Tate is just he's good, but he's kinda there. He's he's not like yeah. the, the not the highest ceiling guy. He had that one strange like massive stat line at some point in the first like third of the season that was yeah. so random and then he just fell off the face of the earth for the next few months. And KJ Martin is good when giving the minutes, but he actually recently approached the team about a trade because his He was curious of his spot and the rotation was guaranteed. And now it's probably safe to say it's not all too guaranteed with uh, Smith uh, coming Mm -hmm. to town. So, yeah, long story short, I I love the fit. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot. I think the defense is going to be very well liked by by the team.
1: And a, a versatile guy offensively where I guess the issue last year was like, the Rockets viewed Shangun and Wood as really playing the same position based on the way they use them. Whereas I don't think we really think of Jabari Smith as a center. So it actually is seems to be good news for for Shangun as well, though we've mm-hmm. said that before. <laughs> yeah. Number four, you know, for a while we thought that Jaden Ivey might end up with the Kings, but there was certainly plenty of talk about Keegan Murray going there. Raf, what do you think of Keegan Murray's outlook in Sacramento? Uh and do we think Harrison Barnes is getting dealt I mean I'm just trying to imagine what's his path to playing time does Barnes need to be gone for him to make an impact right away fantasy wise
3: I don't think that Barnes needs to be gone just because of who the Kings are starting at the fore for much of last season where you talked about either a mo Harkless or or a Trey mm-hmm. Lyles right right those guys yeah. are those guys are NBA players that's pretty much what I can say you know They're in the <laughs> NBA They're in the yeah yeah Mert Murray, I think his skill set fits this rotation better than Jaden Ivey's would have. Um, but obviously, this is going to be a comparison that people are going to be discussing for years to come. Just because of the, the Ivy john Morant comparison that some people have thrown out there and the, the mere explosiveness of his game. But right. I think Murray could be a good rookie there. And, and I don't think it's going to be a case of Barnes kind of stepping on his toes from a fantasy standpoint if he remains in Sacramento.
2: Yeah. I mean, would it help if Barnes moved? I think so. But I don't think it's a must for Murray to emerge with some value here. In the season at Iowa, t- these averages are yeah. I- insane. Filly. I think you've probably seen them. 23.5 points, 8.7 boards, 1.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.9 blocks, and 1.93 is on 55% from the field and almost yeah. 40 from deep. I
1: mean – those numbers are bananas. I don't care.
2: I don't care who's playing in front of him. You got to get this guy minutes just for the sake of, of fantasy managers out there, you know? Because yeah. obviously he has that skill set to to provide right away when given the opportunity. And there's there's a lot to like about him. And the Kings, not that I trust much of what they do, but they clearly had some faith in this guy because there are so many teams interested in that fourth pick once those first three right. main guys came off the board, and they decided to stick with it and take Murray with it so they must they must like him enough to take take the leap on him and and I think he could I think he should play plenty right away but again it's the Kings you can't can't ever be so
1: sure there so yeah Raf, as Brad said completely bananas numbers for Keegan Murray in college really doesn't just from what I've seen of him it doesn't seem like a real flashy player but just somehow gets his numbers let's stop down like I said we are going to I'll even throw Keegan Murray in there and maybe that's aggressive, but like, which of these top guys, Raf, if you had to as of right now, we're drafting right now, which of these guys, who are you taking first in fantasy among the top handful of guys who got drafted? That's tough.
3: I think I lean Jabari, to be honest with you um, just Uh because of of the need that that he can help Houston address. Um, Holmgren may be in the best position to get like around 30 minutes per game from from day one. But as you alluded to earlier, Oklahoma City doesn't need much motivation to shut a guy down in the latter stages of a, of a season. So I think that's the biggest concern from a fantasy standpoint because the last thing you want is to have your guys shut down for the remainder of the season when you're going into fantasy playoffs. So I think I'd lean Jabari Smith out of those top four options. personally.
1: Brad?
2: Yeah, I mean, if the Thunder weren't the Thunder, I'd say Holmgren by a decent margin. Uh, But unfortunately, they are. So I'd probably say, I'd probably also agree and say Jabari by a hair. But I would have no issue taking Holmgren and trying to deal him halfway through the season in the hopes at at that point that they do shut him down. Because if they don't, I'll just be not only surprised, but just sad. (laughs) Assuming he plays well, but yeah, I'd probably go Jabari, Chet, and then honestly, I I might go Murray after that. I don't know. The Murray Bancaro could be. um, I think Bancaro is going to be a better player, but I think there's a little more wiggle room for Murray at this very moment. But it's 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 kind of a toss up. I I'd be okay with either.
3: I think I'd go Bancaro, Chet, then Murray to round out my time. Um, Okay. Yeah, Murray, you're talking about you know ball-dominant players from De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Savonis. So I kind of wonder what his usage will be, especially for a team that's hoping to get into at minimum the play-in tournament next season. So, yeah, I think that will be my concern with Murray.
1: All right, number five, Jaden Ivey went to the Pistons. Uh, Raf, just point blank, do you like this landing spot for his fantasy outlook as a rookie, and are we saying a sad goodbye to Killian Hayes' fantasy sleeper. Were we even saying hello in the first place, but are we saying goodbye?
3: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask when you said that. But
1: <laughs> I kind of like Killian Hayes.
3: <laughs> I, I love this potential fit just because if if you recall going into last season, they are talking about playing Hayes and Cunningham next to each other. And I think to a man, everyone around, is like that's not going to work because Hayes can't shoot. Um, and he's... Yeah. Obviously, put in the work in the gym, but through two seasons, it really hasn't come through for him. And I think Ivy's ability on all three levels—not not just the score, but he, he's a dependable perimeter shooter—and his explosive athletic ability makes for a better match with Cade Cunningham. That's because Cade, I wouldn't say he has an old man game, but it's not that type of game that's going to jump. That's going to make all types like Sports Center top ten lists or whatnot. Ivy can do that. So when you have that, that, that yin and yang, I guess you would say, I think that could be a much better fit in that Detroit backcourt than Cunningham and Hazel.
2: Yeah. I think, I think Ivy is kind of flashy esque play. I, th- I think it can go very nicely with Cade's I, old man game is a great way to put it. I think he's just a good playmaker, just solid guy. And he's, he's so young too. We've only seen him one season. We can already make that conclusion pretty confidently I think that bodes very well for Cade I think they could be a very fun duo Um, there are a lot of guards on Detroit's roster but I've truth be told I've never really been worried about Killian Hayes definitely not worried about Corey Joseph or Frank Jackson but I, I don't know Detroit's another one of those teams they're a little bit hard hard to trust and they're also going through a rebuild right now Try yeah. to figure out what works and what doesn't. But I think I think there could have definitely been worse spots for Ivy to go for fantasy purposes.
1: I think when you watch Ivy play, you can see why people make the John Morant comparisons, just like his explosion off the dribble. But I think where we have to tap the brakes there is the playmaking, right, Raf? I mean, this is a guy who averaged, I think, 3.1 assists, 2.6 turnovers in college. John Morant, you're talking about a guy who averaged 10 assists his final year in college. So... What do you think about that aspect of his game? And I think we think he'll be able to score at the next level, but what do you think the rest of his stat line, like where else could he be an asset in terms of fantasy? Because we think he's going to be on the court a lot.
3: Yeah, I think three point three point category could be somewhere else where he could benefit you. Um, you just kind of hope that the turnovers are held in check. That would be the main thing, because I don't see him being like a five, six assists per game guy right away. Uh, maybe you can develop into that in time. But I think the, the points, three-pointers, maybe you can get a steal per game out of them. I think those are the areas where you're kind of looking for that early production from the Jaden Night.
1: Number six off the board, Benedict Mathurin went to the Pacers. By the way, when they were introducing him, uh, I don't know if you heard, they were introducing all the players. They said Mathurin. They went with the yes. the French pronunciation. Is that how we're supposed to be saying it? Or are we going to say Matherin? What are we going to do?
3: I haven't heard anything officially from him. I like, yeah. tend to kind of wait to hear what the player says, how they want yeah. the name pronounced, and just go with that. Mathine works works well for me, if that's what they yeah. want to go with. I think we and should do it. I think yeah. we should do it. Yeah, And I like the fit in Indiana as well, too.
1: So. Okay, so yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, he kind of, you read that he is the prototypical sort of 3-and-D guy. He certainly was able to score in college. The D stats weren't really there. So I just want to hear your thoughts about the fit and the fantasy outlook. Yeah,
3: I think he's a bit more explosive offensively than just being a three and D guy. He can certainly mm-hmm. shoot. But he can score on all three levels, finishes above the rim. Um off defensively, yeah, you would like to see a little bit more in terms of the steals production, but I think sometimes we may look at those low numbers and think that a guy was like a liability defensively, and that wasn't the case with him. You know, I think Dale and Terry was Arizona's best defender last season, but Matadine wasn't a bad guy either. So I think maybe depending on what Indiana does with their defensive system and how Rick Carlisle goes about things, he may be able to get close to one steal per game this
2: coming season, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean what was reported on like a few days ago that Malcolm Brogdon is likely to be moved soon and that's been that's been the chatter like since the end of last season when he had all these right. fake injuries and and all that so I think that could open up a pretty decent rotation spot for for how do you say I'm going to butcher it. it how do you do say
1: Metrine Mathur- okay
2: <laughs> I'll work I'll work on it. that's what that's what I'm going to do today just stay in the mirror okay. and, Record Solid. myself practicing it. Send yeah. us,
1: please. Wait, can you can you like send us like a five minute recording of you, like just pronouncing it over and over again, working on your I'll, French pronunciation. Uh, I'll think about it. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> My phone might
2: not work today. I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think Brogdon's out of there. They do have a lot of guards too. Like I sound like a broken record, but I mean, where's Dwarte going to fit in here? Um, mm-hmm. he had a he had a decent last season, but kind of injury riddled. Um, they still have T.J. McConnell. Uh, Dwayne Washington yep. Jr. Dwayne Washington Jr. got random run last year when everyone was hurt. So I think he could leapfrog most of those guys. Um and I do think that the one steal game is definitely realistic. And I think he and Halliburton, it might not be as soon as this season as they work on what, what works and what doesn't, but I think they could be pretty fun if they if they stick with both of them for a few years to come.
1: Just looking at this roster, if we assume Brogdon's gone, you put Halliburton at the point. You put healed maybe at the two, and then our guy, Maturin, at the three, Raph. Is that kind of what you think we're doing?
3: Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, he and Chris Duarte are both capable of playing either the two or the three. Um, Heald will give you shooting, but I think whichever one between Maturin and uh, Duarte is, proves to be the better defender may have the edge in terms of starting just because I don't think anyone's ever thought of Buddy Heald as like, a defensive showpiece. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be an interesting like, training camp battle to watch, I think.
1: I'm, I'm healed as like a guy who I really am, I wouldn't say I'm super high on in fantasy, but I'm intrigued by just after his playmaking role that he had with the Pacers, averaging nearly five assists per game with Indiana. So he's a guy who's very much on my fantasy radar. Brad, do you think the arrival of Benedict? uh puts any dent in heal's heel's, heel's uh, outlook? Maybe, but lean
2: towards no. I th- I think yeah. I think Heald's already been I think he solidified himself in the league and he honestly he's been there a while but he's shown he showed things in Indiana that like the playmaking you mentioned that we didn't really see much of in, in Sacramento. And yeah I I think he has that confidence to to be to be ready to playmake even more, especially if Brogdon's out and they're missing a playmaker. Obviously, Halliburton's mm. more than capable, but he could be that second kind of guy and maybe, maybe he'll make some passes to Math,
1: Mathurine. And nice. we'll some, that was your best one. Was, yeah. Was, was that, that was better? solid. Okay. I, I'll, I just want to say, quick, I, I studied French. <laughs> I took a lot of French, many years of French, but I feel no. like Raph's pronunciation really is rolling off the tongue nicely. I no. mean, I feel like yours might be the best, Raph. And then Brad's second. Brad, your, the last one there was really good too. Raph, did you <sighs> take French? You, you sound like. Like you know what you're doing there. No, nah,
3: I took Spanish and dabbled on a little Italian, but yeah, okay. no French. I'm just That's waiting cool. for someone to hear this and then eventually say, "Yeah, you guys are absolutely butchering <laughs> this pronunciation." It's and very soft, met, met, So uh, we're yeah, we're doing our best yeah. right now, people. That's We're all doing our I, best. I yeah. took a
1: I took a break last last time I said it and just said Benedict. I had to give myself a breather you know load management um
3: Ben works too
1: I think yeah Ben what well, is Ben all right we're I'm about halfway I'm home here out. we have six to seven more names we want to talk about but first we're going to take a very quick break. And this is just a reminder. If you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. All right, number seven, the Blazers. Ralph, I have a hard time getting a read on Shaden Sharp. I think that's because he didn't play a minute of college basketball this year. History tells us, though, don't overlook the top 10 picks, right? You overlook all of these guys at your own peril in fantasy. What are your thoughts on this guy? I mean, I literally don't know what to imagine when it comes to Shaden Sharp.
3: I don't think anyone does. Like, even in the yeah. pre draft process, you had some reports that he was playing extremely well in workouts, and others that said he didn't really set himself apart from the group, the other players in the groups that he was in. So, Add that into the fact that he didn't play a minute of college basketball, like you said. And he's going to a team where, even though they're rebuilding, they're kind of trying to fast-track this thing. You've got Damian Miller. They want to keep happy and make sure he remains a cornerstone of the project. They add Jeremy Grant. I imagine that Anthony Simons will be re-signed. He's a restricted Mm -hmm. free agent, so I'm sure they'll bring him back. Yusuf Mm -hmm. Nurkic, I expect them to bring him back as well, so sharp's in an interesting spot where portland if everything goes right for them in free agency and other trades if they do anything he's a guy they can take their time with so i'm not too thrilled with him from a fantasy standpoint for mm-hmm. that reason in addition to the fact that we really don't know what we're going to get from him based upon the lack of a recent play experience
1: brock yeah, what's he- your read on this guy who we literally have never seen play before <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, obviously he's like, he's the mystery man of the lottery, if not the whole draft, honestly. Right. I, I do. I agree with Rob. I think Anthony Simons is, a, he's a stud. I th- I think he's going to be a great fit alongside Dame. Uh, and I think they're pretty happy with that from what I can tell. And that means that Sharp is not going to have a super clear path to minutes right away. I, I think they might treat him, treat him more as a project and see like what he's actually capable of first because no one, really knows like the most recent stats on him I could find were from the Nike elite youth league. And I mean, they were good, but I, you, you can't really take much from that. And like how you can't know that, that it translates well um, right. from a youth league to the best players and playing right. against the best players in the world. So it's, it's tricky uh, for, from a fantasy standpoint. I'm, I'm not going to be too, all too high on him to be honest. But uh, if the blazers start just, Looking like they did last year again, they uh, gave him a longer lease than maybe could be a pickup, but I think they are going to be more of a, a win-now situation with all the moves they're trying to make and rumored to be making.
1: It'd be hilarious if we were like... I mean, he averaged 1.8 steals and 0.8 blocks in the youth league, so I mean, this is a guy you are going to want to draft in fantasy. You're going to want him on your roster. We, I'd be fired. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean... That's the first guy it sounds like all of us would take a wait-and-see approach on for sure in fantasy at this point. Number eight, though, Dyson Daniels, who went to the Pelicans, actually seems like a pretty intriguing fantasy guy, Raph, and potentially an excellent fit on this New Orleans roster. Would you agree with that? I don't know about the fantasy
3: you know, possibilities as a rookie just because of the number of options that they've got on that roster Mm. right now, but it feels like New Orleans has essentially said, we've got the offensive weapons. Now let's, now let's address the defense. We've got Herb Jones in the fourth all rookie team member, high level defender. Daniels is a high level defender in his own right. He can defend ones, twos, or even some threes. I just worry about the, the offensive potential. When you look at CJ yeah. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson is going to be back. And he's going to need touches. Got Jonas Valanciunas in there as well. So That top four alone is going to make it difficult for any of those other guys to kind of establish themselves as a bona fide offensive option, much less a rookie like Dyson Daniels. So the defensive numbers, I think he's a guy for that reason. You have him on your radar in case you have some injuries because we've seen some of those Pelican guys go down in recent years. But from day one, I don't know if I could target him in, in drafts unless we're talking dynasty leagues.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you could compare him to his teammate in Herb Jones, but maybe a little worse just because, I mean, Herb has those minutes locked up because he he showed yeah. what he could do uh, last season. I'm I'm just imagining uh, the three of Daniels, uh, Herb, and Jose Alvarado being out there on defense and just wreaking havoc on the other team. Yeah. But obviously that offense would be – just awful (laughs) but uh Devontae Graham is he he was horrible last season I think Daniels could take some of his minutes strictly from an office offensive standpoint I totally agree I mean Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum did their things and that was without Zion Williamson I think Zion's just gonna make things worse and I think they already have their three to four main guys who can like really score the ball and then everyone else is gonna have their points trickle in here and there and he it, he's also a rookie, obviously, so that doesn't yeah. bode all too well for him. But defensively, if he can get to like a steal and a block somehow, he could have some like fringe value in standard leagues, maybe.
1: In in my excitement, I did kind of forget about Zion, and I do see the case for it being crowded there. I guess I was just intrigued. You know, the plus side, his G League numbers included 6.2 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.7 blocks. Then again, he only shot 25% on threes. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to your point, Raf, if an injury strikes, this is a guy who could end up being a, a nice waiver wire pickup for us at some point. But maybe we'll leave it at that. And we'll move now to the number nine overall pick. And I heard his name pronounced last night, and I've forgotten how to say it again is it oh, no. Sochan? Sochan? Sochan, yes. Sochan. Jeremy, Jeremy So-chan. Sochan, Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor. This is the another guy that I guess I have questions about fantasy wise, Raf. I mean, I think he he's like seems like a guy who's going to be an excellent defender in the pros, but is there enough offense there for us to really bank on even if the Spurs are giving him playing time right away?
3: Yeah, that's that's the big question. Um this guy defensively is an absolute master of havoc. Like when it comes to playing passing lanes, blocking shots, getting under guys skin, they're going to love him in San Antonio. But the thing is the offense I wouldn't say that he can't make strides in that in those areas because he can, but right now I think if you're going to have him on a fantasy roster, you're banking on that defensive uh, potential and
1: rebounding to kind of carry you a bit. yeah i mean average 9.2 points per game brad this past season so probably more of a project in terms of fantasy i would imagine yeah
2: yeah i agree i was just looking at his numbers the boards 6.4 rebounds and then 1.3 steals and 0.7 blocks those are all pretty good but yeah he's, he's just not it's not a great score uh as far as we know and also it's as you guys probably know too, it's, Greg Popovich isn't necessarily known for turning rookies into fantasy gold. And I think basically everyone they draft is a project until he he they earn their trust. So there, there's not a ton to be excited about. But it, if he's on the Spurs and that he knows what they stand for, and I think that defense alone could earn him at least minutes in the teens, like from from early on out. Maybe just a handful at least. But uh, they they do have they do have their guys, and they were they weren't horrible last year, despite going going through like a rebuild, you know, almost made the playoffs. So it's going to be hard for him to carve out some minutes, but I think he could get a few here and there.
1: At number 10, the Wizards took Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Raft put up some big college numbers this past year. Do we like Davis if Beal is back in town? How much does that matter for you for his outlook? I mean, we assume he's going to play plenty as the number 10 pick. But what are your thoughts on that situation?
3: I'm assuming that Beal returns. Um, I know people said they think he's gonna leave. I just think that the combination of the money and the years that Washington can offer, no other team can match. I think that would be the deciding factor there. Man, in terms of how this will impact Davis, I look at their backcourt as a whole, and I still think there's there's room for them to to take on a a major role right away. Yeah. Um, They traded away Spencer Dinwiddie at the deadline for Christophs Porzingis. Mm -hmm. They brought back Ish Smith, but between him and Howell Neto, I don't see much there. I'd imagine they're going to have to be really active in free agency or be a trade for a point guard just because that position's a bit weak. Davis isn't the point guard by any stretch. Maybe they give Beal the ball in his hands a bit more if he returns, which could in turn clear up some room for Davis at the two. But yeah, I don't, I don't really think that Beal's situation is going to impact Davis too much. I think he's going to play quite a bit either way.
2: Yeah, I mean, first, firstly, he's a great rebounder uh, from the guards mm-hmm. by eight point two boards, and he's I think he's six four or something like that. and five yeah 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 and so Beal is expected to decline his player option but I think people are quick to assume that means he's leaving but I don't think that's I agree I don't think that's the case I think he's going to stay there and make make the big bucks over there as they sign him and exactly like Raf said I had in my notes like I don't think just because Beal is listed as the two right now doesn't mean he can't play the one and and give Davis a run at the two I don't think any of Sadoransky Smith or Neto are the answers (laughs) at at point I would, I would already throw Beal in there over him, like strictly as a point guard, obviously. I think there's room for him. I probably, I don't know if I draft him like right away on draft night personally, but he could be someone to monitor pretty closely and see how the situation develops in Washington.
1: That makes sense. Now, that's the top 10. Uh, we're obviously not going through every pick in the first round because we'll be here literally all day, but just oh, past the top 10, Mark Williams strikes me, and I don't know if you agree with this, Raf, as the next most obvious guy outside the top 10 who may have hit an ideal landing spot. And we talked about Charlotte being a great spot for him potentially leading up to the draft. He's there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd
3: agree with that. I think most people had him ticketed to Charlotte either at 13 or 15, just because of the fit. Montrezl Harrell's going to be a free agent. Mason Plumlee hasn't really set the world on fire as a starting center.
1: Nick Richards, same Lefty. With him. Lefty Mason Plumlee. Yeah. Lefty free throw shooter.
3: Yeah. And then Kai Jones played in 21 games last season. I don't think yeah. he showed enough to make himself like a, a potential cornerstone for them in the middle. We don't know who the head coach is going to be, but I think Mark Williams with his ability as a rim runner and a screener, and then the defensive ability as a shot blocker and rebounder, I think this is a great fit. And fantasy-wise, he's someone that, he should be drafted, especially in standard leagues, uh, yeah. because of what he brings to the table on both ends of the floor for that group.
2: Yeah, he operates like pretty strictly in the paint, and in, in a in a time where every big man imaginable is shooting the three, that, that might be frowned upon. But this is a guy that this is like the type of the mold of a player that Charlotte just really needs. Just a guy who can set good screens and roll to the hoop and be yeah. a lob threat for Lamelo Ball. Who I don't think. Mason Plumley is a lob threat. He, does, he probably wouldn't even know which hand to use to dunk it. You know, I mean, <laughs> how, how does he even know? So I, I think it's a great find. I th- he's honestly, before I even start, I I'd sit, I called him my, I don't know if this is even a thing, my fantasy rookie sleeper. If that's, I think if that's that could true. even be a thing at all. But yeah, I, I, I love him. What's that?
1: Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, okay. It's a it thing, is Brad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it- a guy we could easily I I I mentioned Holmgren being a guy we can imagine being a two plus blocks guy right away. I think I don't think that's out of the out of reach for Mark Williams at all as a rookie, in theory. I mean, so yeah, he's a guy who I think is gonna need to be drafted just about everywhere. Um, so I, I'm excited about him. Ref and Brad, are there any names? Outside of the top ten, beyond Mark Williams, you feel like we'd be making a mistake if we didn't mention. In terms of like either sleepers or obvious people I haven't mentioned yet, any other names that you feel like we got to get to?
3: I'd say Tari in Houston. Yeah, just because of how much he improved offensively. Transferred from Cincinnati to LSU, he's able to do a lot more offensively, and he's a high-level defender. I thought he. I was hoping he would head to Chicago at eighteen. That didn't happen. But Houston needed help defensively, especially at the forward spots. And between Easton and Jabari Smith, I thought they did a really good yeah. job of addressing that. And trading down to get Ty Ty Washington at twenty nine, I think that's a good move. I really like yeah, what Houston I did. Love that. But Easton, I think, could be a fancy sleeper. And I think Dale and Terry in Chicago could be one as well, even with their young guards. I just love his potential because if he gets the ball in his hands more, like he did, like the prep levels as opposed to Arizona, I think he could be a stud in Chicago. So I'd say Easton and Dale and Terry are my two guys.
2: Yeah. So th- this isn't a new guy, but um the D'Anthony Melton trade, we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Um, he was traded to Philadelphia for Danny green in that t- number 23 pick, I believe. And, uh, Somewhere, David Roddy, somewhere right? Out there. It became David
1: Roddy? Yeah, guess, David I mean, Roddy,
2: yes. Yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. Uh, uh, Melton's per 36 numbers. These numbers are in, engraved in Jonas's head by this point already, but it's, <laughs> All it's of 17, Yeah, 17.2 points, 7.1 boards, 4.2 assists, 2.3 steals, 0. 0.8 blocks with 3 triples a game. Uh, he's not going to get 36 minutes in Philadelphia, but he barely got 22-23 in Memphis and Yeah, you saw that run he made towards the end of last season. He was hitting like five threes a game over like some six game stretch. So you know he can make it from deep when he's on. He's a great defender, and some people might be worried about Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, but I think he could soak up a lot of those minutes from guys like Matisse Thybulle, who could very well be on the move. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz had a very underwhelming season <laughs> it, uh, that's I'm, i feel like i'm being kind there as well so i, I think Mel- melton could make that jump and hope even if he gets to 26 28 minutes i think that would be enough to have plenty of value uh in leagues fancy leagues
1: yeah taylor jenkins for whatever reason raf not the biggest Anthony melton fan as far as i can tell or just not not a fan of melton at anything other than like a limited minutes role
3: Yeah, they just never really seem to kind of figure out that logjam, jam. But I guess they have. Obviously, Desmond Bain stepping forward as he did. So he's the ultimate winner there. They traded Grayson Allen last offseason. And now it's Melton who gets dealt. So, you know, I think you mentioned Memphis. I think the two rookies that they added have the potential to help them, albeit in limited roles. We think about Robbie and then I think they got Jake Laravia as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, that's right. Chip. Yeah. Yep, Jake Laravia at 19. I think those are two guys that can help them on the back end of the rotation. Tyus Jones, neither one of them is a point guard, so they won't help there. But Kyle Anderson is also a free agent. So mm-hmm. if the price gets too high for him, I think a combination of Laravia and, and Roddy can kind of help with that, but especially Laravia because of his playmaking ability.
1: And I just want to circle back to the Tari Eason call, because I really like that. I mean, this is a guy who, for anyone who doesn't know, in just 24 minutes a game last year, averaged around 17 points, 6.6 boards, 1.9 steals, 1.1 blocks, pretty good three-point shooter in college, 36%, at least this past year. We won't talk about the fact that he had one assist per game and 2.2 turnovers. I've heard that criticism of his game, that he can get a little uh, little wild with the basketball. But a a really intriguing skill set and – probably a good landing spot for a guy who went 17th overall so i like that call it's another guy's gonna be on my radar all right well guys that i think is going to bring us to the end don't forget to subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we'll be back monday wednesday and friday next week i want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us raf brad thanks for breaking this down i enjoyed it good stuff as always i'll talk to you guys soon Thank you guys